All right. Well, we welcome you. This is part six in our series. We are marching through the book, The Song of Solomon. And in this session, you should be on page 24 in your notebooks. We are on the art of courtship, part one. We're talking about 10 principles on how to have a great courtship. Now, let's talk about this word courtship, because the word courtship, as you hear it, it sounds archaic, doesn't it? It sounds ancient. It sounds very old, old-fashioned. The term courtship originated from the Elizabethan era. Remember Shakespeare? A lady waited for a suitor, either a knight or a lord, to win her hand through frequent visitations, gifts, and compliments. A man would ask a lady's father uh, for permission to court his daughter. Remember, pride and prejudice, okay? This implied that the man was very serious, and in open view of the royal courts, he desired to pursue the possibility of marriage with this woman. Now, watch this. Although the, the term courtship, I realize, is not in the Bible, and it originated in the Elizabethan era, the practice of courting has taken place through all eras of history. It was just labeled at that time in history. And especially do we see the practice of courting in full color here in the book of the Song of Solomon. Now, let's remember, the Song of Solomon is about one couple. Solomon is the man, the Shulamite is the woman. There are eight chapters. There are eight romantic scenes. And Solomon wrote the book after he was married. He's, he's reflecting on his relationship. And he's detailing for us the different stages of the romance he experienced with the Shulamite. So scene number one, in chapter one, verses one to eight, is all about their attraction. That's where romance begins. You're attracted to someone. Scene number two, chapter one, verse nine, through chapter two, verse seven, is all about their dating life. And then scene number three, in chapter two, verse eight, through chapter three, verse five, is all about their courtship. Now, what is the difference between dating and courting? Let's answer that question so you understand what we're talking about. And let me give you several statements that will just hopefully clarify this for you. In dating, you can date many people, and that's fine. In courtship, that's when you date the same person. It's the idea of going steady. Dating is all about fun for a couple. Courtship is about your future as a couple. A bad date can cost you a little time and money, and it can be quickly forgotten. But when you have a bad courtship, it can cost you a little bit of your soul, and it's not easily forgotten. Dating is rather simple. Courtship is very complex. It takes all kinds of sensitivity and finesse in courtship. You can't go too shallow, or you can get very frustrated. And you can't go too deep too fast, or you can actually ruin it. Courtship requires great flexibility, tenderness, patience, holiness, and wisdom. Courtship is just like the word sounds, to treat someone like a prince or a princess, to bring them to your way of thinking so that they trust you and want to spend the rest of their life potentially with you. Dating is an end in itself for the most part. Courtship moves toward marriage. That's the implication. Dating has a no-strings-attached kind of policy with it. Courtship involves mutual responsibility, trust, vulnerability, 
with marriage as the goal. For you into sales, dating is marketing. Courtship is negotiating a sale to close the deal. Some of you are like, now I get it. Courtship comes after dating, but before marriage, and it includes engagement. Courtship is this special time when you begin to date one person exclusively, frequently, and for the purpose of determining, is this the person you really want to spend the rest of your, t- your life with? Courtship ends in a formal engagement or a definitive breakup of the relationship. In other words, it's marriage or back to the meat market, okay? Some of you are single going, yeah, got that. A good courtship can be exhilarating, fun. It can be a very joyful experience. A bad courtship, a courtship that's not conducted conducted with wisdom, can leave a person feeling hurt, injured, bitter, angry, frustrated, and even depressed. God wants courtship, watch this, to be a wonderful, watch this, season in your life of romance. God wants you to develop this and know how to navigate this properly. And Solomon and the Shulamite show us how to have a great courtship. I mean, they are the example in this book. And in chapter 2, verse 8 through 3, verse 5, I see like 10 principles emerge from this passage on how to have a great courtship from the example of Solomon and the Shulamite. They courted in a very right manner, in a very wise manner. So 10 principles on how to have a great courtship. In this session, we're going to look at the first five And then our next session, we'll look at the next five for a total of ten. And all ten of these principles start with the letter D, okay? So the first principle necessary to have a great courtship. You ready? Strap on your seatbelts. Here we go. A great courtship includes discernment. Can you say that word with me? Discernment. Discernment is absolutely essential if you're going to have a great courtship. I mean, you need to have the wisdom to properly evaluate the character of the person that you are courting. That's what the discernment is all about. And a huge amount of discernment, it's already gone into attraction. You're like, should I be attracted to this person? A huge amount of discernment has already gone into dating. You're dating publicly, like we talked about. But in courtship, you kick discernment into high gear. It's discernment on steroids. Hey, this is... This is the guy or gal you might marry. And so your antenna goes way up. You want to have a detailed, off-the-charts understanding of their character. No stone goes unchecked. You dissect them. You place them under a microscope. You check out every cell. That's discernment. I mean, what do you do when you buy a car or a house? You investigate. You analyze. You kick the tires. Now, you don't want to kick her tires. And you use supercharged discernment. This is the person you're thinking about spending the rest of your life with. This is what courtship is about, a time to discern. This is the character that you want to link your life to for the rest of your life. It's the most important, critical, significant decision of your life. Next to choosing Jesus is who you're going to marry. And courtship is what helps you evaluate, is the person you this who you want to commit to? You can't afford to mess it up, or you could potentially mess up your entire life. 
Solomon and the Shulamite, they clearly evaluated, they discerned, they understood, they scrutinized, they comprehended the character of one another as their relationship progressed. And in the verses that we're about ready to study, I mean, you see terms like this arise. Chapter 2, verse 8, my lover. Chapter 2, verse 13, my darling. Chapter 2, verse 13, my beautiful one. Chapter 2, verse 14, my dove. These terms refer to the character of the other person. They exercised discernment, each of them. And they, they each had a thorough knowledge of each other's character. When you start calling people those terms, it tells me you understand that because names are given to character. Now, let me give you a principle to assume in courting. What you see is what you get. In other words, the person you are dating and courting is the person you will marry. What you see is what you get. They are not going to change that much. Now, here's the question. Can you live with that? Can you live with who they are right now for the rest of your life? See, watch this. You marry the person for who they are, not for what you hope they will be. And in courtship, you're trying to get to know who is this person. And if you marry them, you have to be willing to live with their character, their standards of godliness, their habits, their work ethic, their personality, not expecting them to change because people really don't change. For example, if in courting you discern that the person is quiet, you can't marry them and expect them to become noisy one day. If you have a guy and he has the sensitivity of Darth Vader, you can't through marriage hope to change this guy into dancing with the stars, you know? I mean, women have been trying to do this for the year, over the centuries, and it doesn't work. If you're dating an unspiritual woman, and you have great plans for God, you want to serve God, it's not fair to date, to court, and marry that girl, expecting her standard of righteousness to rival that of Mother Teresa. That, that's just not proper. You know, sometimes I'll encounter certain marriages totally unequally yoked, and they'll often come to me for counseling. And sometimes I have to ask in love, was he like this when you dated him? And she says, yes. And I'm thinking, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Courtship is a time to put on your thinking cap, to use discernment, to have wisdom, to evaluate their character. Are you... Can you live with this person the rest of your life? Proverbs 24, verse 3 says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. It takes wisdom to build a house. It takes wisdom to form a great marriage. Proverbs 18, 2, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding. If you are not wanting to understand the person you're courting, that is very foolish. If you're like trying to push away because you're afraid you might lose them because you don't want to go too deep or you're afraid of what you might find, that is very foolish. You've got to dissect this person because you're going to commit to them for the rest of your life. Let me give you a statement here. Um, marriage is the sum total of your combined character. That's what marriage is. 
And a good courtship requires discernment, understanding the character of your, par- your partner. I mean, you two are going to become one. See, you can afford to use sloppy discernment in the purchase of a car, so it turns out to be a lemon, so you've made a mistake. Okay, you are a sucker. The consequences is only really financial loss, right? All of us have probably had that experience before. But you can't afford to exercise sloppy discernment in courting. I mean, that's how hearts get broken, lives get ruined, marriages end in disaster. But please watch this. The flip side is also true. And this is what I want to camp on. Wise discernment leads to a great, awesome, romantic marriage, a blessed and magnificent and thrilling marriage. And that's why we're talking about this. Use it. This is what courtship is about, for discernment. A great courtship includes discernment. You need to gain a solid understanding of your partner's character. I mean, before I married Tracy, when we courted, that is when we got to know each other's character. I got to know her, not perfectly, but thoroughly. She got to know me, not perfectly, but thoroughly in our character. That is the first purpose. You don't get that in dating. Dating is shallow. Courtship is deep. You're not going to marry them until you know their character. That would be crazy to marry someone without getting to know their character. Hmm. Second principle on how to have a great courtship. A great courtship includes duration. Duration is critical if you are to have a great courtship. Now, by duration, I mean consistency in dating and being together. Now, the text we're going to study here in chapter 2, verse 8 through 13, it does not give us the exact length of time that Solomon and the Shulamite courted. We don't know that. It's not revealed. But it is clear from the passage that they were not kind of like off and on, off and on. We don't see that at all in this scripture. There was this consistency, a steady duration of being together. And one of the questions I always ask in premarital counseling, for all the weddings I've done, I've done over 300, I always ask, how long have you been together? And then I find out, and then I follow it up with this question. Have you been together the entire time or off and on? Tell me about that. I've seen couples who fight and get back together and fight and then get back together. It's not working well. They can't get along in dating. What's their solution? Let's try getting married. (laughs) We can't get along for four hours together. Let's see if we can get along for the next 90 years together in the same house. That's like saying, hey, I can't bench 100 pounds. Put 300 pounds on the bar. Let's see if I can do that. It's like, what? Trust me, if you can't get along with a person for a few hours a day, a few times a week, you are not going to get along with them seven days a week in the same house for the rest of your life. See, courtship is the time to discern and to look at your duration and say, is this the person that I can commit to for the rest of my life? Let me give you an observation. I've never seen a good marriage come out of a rocky courtship. I'm sure they have. It's just in my experience, in the short time I've been alive, I haven't seen it. The point is this. Your dating relationship should be easy. Would you please write that down? My dating should be easy. What I mean by that is this. It doesn't mean you won't have moments of testing. You will. But you should be able to negotiate those times with that person. You should be growing in easiness in your relationship the longer you court. You should have the same standards of moral uprightness. 
you should be able to live with the kind of person God has given to you. If God has intended this relationship for you forever, you should be able to, there's got to be this duration and consistency, at least in dating and courtship, and that's your time to evaluate. Your relationship should be characterized by duration, consistency, togetherness. Tracy and I, the longer that we courted, the more ease, the more comfort resulted. There was never one day we're on and the other day we're off and we're arguing and fighting and split up. There was none of that. You never want to play Russian roulette with your marriage. So you don't want to add layer upon layer of time and commitment and rationalizing, which we're so easy to do, if something doesn't have a solid foundation. If there just isn't this natural sense of being together in a duration sense, it's like, walk away. Have wisdom. A great courtship includes duration. You consistently get along with each other. There's a pattern of consistency. It's not perfection, but there's a pattern of consistency. So a great courtship includes discernment, duration. Third principle for a great courtship. Great courtship includes, watch this, desire. Now listen to what the Shulamite says about Solomon. This is great. Chapter 2, verse 8. Listen, my lover, look. Here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. This is her speaking about him. Solomon here is pictured as a young stag. Remember, this is poetry, Hebrew poetry, but it's really cool. And she's pictured as a young doe. Picture them. And he runs and he leaps on the mountains to get closer to this woman. The point is, he is excited. This is how a man should feel, and a woman also, in a relationship that is passing from dating into courtship. Excitement. Fired up. Here's here's the principle. Time does not dwindle. Time kindles a relationship that is meant to be. As you're dating and then courting, you know, getting more serious, evaluating, As time goes on, it should kindle this excitement about each other. One of the greatest tests of a relationship is the separation test. That's when you're away from each other. So is it out of sight, out of mind? You don't even think about that person? Or do you feel like a young stag wanting to be closer to her? Do you feel like a young doe? You can't wait to be in his presence again. You think about them. You try to go to work and focus there, but you just kind of drift off and you're thinking about him or her. That is a good thing in courtship. When I'm away from my wife, even today, uh, we've been married 31 years. I mean, I travel all over the world, as you know, and I'm away sometimes two, three weeks. I can't wait to be back with her. I think about her. I wonder about her. And this was especially true in our courtship. Wanting to be with Tracy in our courtship in that period was just off the charts. She lived in San Bruno, which is across the bay. I lived here in Castro Valley. We were both full-time students. We were working part-time jobs. But we still managed to see each other virtually every evening in our courtship phase. Desire is overwhelming in this phase. Tracy would say, like in chapter 2, verse 8, Here he comes, leaping across San Mateo Bridge, (laughs) bounding through the traffic. My stag is on his way. (laughs) 
you just wait when we start talking about sex, man. You just, we're, we're not even into anything yet. So you're like, when's that going to happen? Oh, it's going to happen in detail. We haven't even talked about the fact that they're not even married yet. By the way, you want to hear the story when I first kissed Tracy? I don't care. I'm going to tell it to you anyway. So attraction, you heard my story of attraction to her, our dating. You heard me tell stories about dating and our courtship. I'm like, time for me to kiss this girl. But I'm like, this has to be special. This has to be special. So I get the idea. I'm like, okay, I go to Macy's. Me walking into Macy's, first time. I go to the dresses area. And I see this dress hanging up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw this dress. I go, that is an awesome dress. That is her size. I'm like, yeah, I think so. I don't know what size she is. I had no idea. I was like, I think that's her. I like it. I like it a lot, you know. So buy the dress. I spent more money in this dress than ever. I mean, I'm an intern at the church. I don't have a whole lot of money. This is what you do in courtship. You're just going crazy. So I buy the dress and I go, okay, she has no idea. I drive across the bridge. Bound me across the bridge is the stag. I show up, knock on her door. She opens and I had the lady there. I bought it from, put it in a nice box with a bow on it, wrapped it, told her what I was doing. She was all excited. And so I, Tracy, I have this for you. So she opens it and pulls this out. And I had the whole thing pictured. I go, Tracy, go in the bathroom and try it on. So she did. And then I followed, no, I didn't. <laughs> and then she come out, and I'm, my whole idea is put the dress on, kiss her. Okay. So she comes out, and it fits her perfect. I walk up, put my arms around her, give her a kiss. Yeah! Oh, I got to just put this right here, huh? Come on up, Trace. Try the dress on right now. No. <laughs> this is courtship. Desire increases. Now, here's the thing. Everyone that you date in court, that may not be the person you're going to marry. It just may not be. You want to use discernment. You can be in the midst of courtship going, okay, you know, this is the time to evaluate. You're not engaged yet. Engagement comes after courtship. You're just going deeper in dating. This is what courtship is all about. So you have to be honest with yourself. You really do. If you're court, in your courtship... If the jets are cooling, okay, if you really don't have this raging desire to be with him or her, imagine what it's going to be like one year into your marriage, five years into your marriage, 20 years into your marriage. You might as well translate yourself back to the so-called ice age because that is where the, the relationship is heading, okay? If you don't have a passion to be with each other in courtship, do you think you're going to gain that in marriage? It's hard to manufacture in marriage, what you never had in courtship. It's just not going to happen. That, that's wishful thinking. So if you don't have this passion, you've got to evaluate that. A great courtship includes desire. You passionately want to be with each other. So you've got discernment going on. You've got duration going on. You've got desire going on. If those three, three things are happening, you ought to consider marrying this person. But if they're not, you've got to use discernment. Number four, a great courtship includes discussion. 
Now listen to what the Shulamite says about Solomon. These five words are just awesome in verse 10. My lover spoke to me. Can we say that together? My lover spoke to me. Now, let me just listen. I want to underscore something so important. Discussion, communication, talking, listening to one another is so important to have a great courtship and marriage. Solomon and the Shulamite enjoyed talking and listening to one another. Let me give you the top three reasons why divorces happen today in marriages. Number one at the top of the list, why divorces happen, issues regarding sex, namely adultery. Number two, issues regarding finances, namely mismanagement. Third reason why marriages fail, issues regarding communication, namely incompatibility. You know what lovers do? They love to talk to one another. They love to listen to one another. They enjoy conversation together. Today, uh, you know, you know how, Tracy and I, this is how our day begins. It's the most special time of our whole day. Tracy and I talk to God, to one another. We read the Bible together and pray together. And then we talk at the beginning of our day, face-to-face with each other. Our whole life, from dating on, we enjoy no one I'd rather talk to than Tracy. No one she'd rather talk to than me. We enjoy it. It was there in dating, in courtship. If it didn't last through courtship, I, I would never have married her. It, you, you've got to use discernment there. Here's the principle. If in, you are courting a person and suddenly realize that you're bored with their stories, you have lost interest in listening to their opinions, they are irritating to you. They're driving you crazy. Call it off. Throw in the towel. I mean, if they're irritating to you now when you're courting, imagine what it's going to be like two years into your marriage. Wow. Proverbs 19.13 says, a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping. I mean, wow, does that ever... Now watch this. Marriage, watch this, didn't make her a constant dripping. She was that when you dated her. She was that when you courted her. I guess you just really didn't court, did you? Because in courting, you discern that. Or he wasn't like that because he got married, that everything he says is irritating to you. No, 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 he was that when you dated him. He was that when you courted him. If you didn't see it then, well, you really didn't court them. I'm not talking about dating. I'm not talking, it begins with attraction, then it goes to dating, which is very superficial, and, you know, in groups, and then it goes to courtship when you really start dissecting the person. And you're trying to figure out, can I talk with this person? Do I enjoy talking with this person for the rest of my life? By the way, communication is critical. It's just not a want. I mean, it's a need for any healthy relationship. Genesis 2.18 says the Lord God said, it is not good for a man to be alone. It's not good for a woman to be alone. If you don't enjoy communicating with someone and they don't enjoy communicating with you, you will feel alone. Want to know how to set up your marriage or your future marriage for absolute, total, sure failure? Here's the recipe. 
Marry a person you don't enjoy talking to. Just do that. Marry someone you just don't connect with at all. Oh, they're hot on the outside. They're really good looking, but you can't stand talking to them. Marry someone you don't enjoy listening to because they're so irritating. That marriage is not going to last. It's doomed for failure before you even say I do. It is just going sideways. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm trying to be loving. The Song of Solomon was given to young people so we would wake up and know how to work through romance so when it comes time for marriage, we have a great marriage. In courtship, you should be saying things like this. Wow, isn't it amazing how we just love to talk to each other? Isn't that incredible? Or it's weird, but we have this very similar communication style. I mean, isn't that crazy how that is? Or it's so fun talking to you. I so enjoy listening to you. This is what you want to find in courtship. A great courtship includes discussion. You enjoy talking and listening to one another. Fifth principle for a great courtship. It includes discernment, duration, desire, discussion. Number five, a great courtship includes discovery. Now, discovery is discovering what you have in common with the other person and what you guys like to do together. Now, most scholars believe that when we come to chapter 2, verse 10, the Shulamite is in her home in the city of Shunem, okay, which we're going to visit when I take you to Israel. We'll go here. And she, she's in her, her town. It's a very small town, Shunem is. And, and Solomon comes to her house, most likely, literally, in his chariot, okay? And look what she says, chapter 2, verse 9. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. So this is when she's inside, she looks out, and there's Solomon gazing in, you know? The peeping Solomon, okay? <laughs> and Solomon, as we're going to see, is wanting to take her away from her own town into the country on like this little mini-adventure, okay? And it's really cool. Listen to what she says. She describes it. She says in verse 10, My lover spoke and said to me, so he walks up to her through the lattice, you know, the door, and he speaks to her. Uh, he spoke to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with us. Come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are all over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of the doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. So what season is it? Spring. It's spring. We see that. The chariot wheels aren't getting stuck. It's dry out. You know, the birds are flying and chirping. Solomon's saying, come on with me. You can picture them out on this drive in the country together, totally enjoying themselves, experiencing life together. Now watch this. Key to a great courtship and marriage is experiencing life together. In other words, you enjoy similar experiences. The more you have in common, watch this, the greater. Now, here's a phrase, and I, I'm sure you've heard it before because it's used out there in the world. Opposites attract, okay? You've heard that before. And that's true. Opposites attract for a superficial level one attraction only. But opposites don't make for a great marriage, Marriage is not about being opposite. Marriage is about two people becoming one and enjoying fully the oneness of your relationship and doing life together with someone, watch this, who is your best friend. That's what marriage is. 
So imagine this scenario. Solomon picks up the Shulamite. He's all excited about spending this day out in the wilderness with her. And he's envisioning life at the Shulamite every weekend, taking trips like this. But deep down, the Shulamite, she hates the outdoors. She loves, actually, the indoors, knitting and cooking. But out of respect for Solomon, she goes along with his joyride, pretending she's having fun. But deep down inside, she's dying. She's completely bored. She can't wait till this thing gets over, till he drops her back off at the house. Now, here's the principle. Courtship is a time to lay your cards on the table about your likes and dislikes. The Shulamite, she needs to say to Solomon, Solomon, you need to understand. I love being with you. I mean, nature is awesome. It's beautiful. But I'm just not a tree-hugging kind of girl. It's okay once in a while to get out there. But really, I'm kind of an indoor girl. I just want you to understand that. See, these are the kind of conversations, watch this, you must have in courtship. So here's the question I want to ask you. It's critical in courting to discover what you like to do together and what you don't like to do together. It's so important. So question, do you understand his likes and dislikes? Do you understand her likes and dislikes? You do that before you're married. This is what courtship is about. I mean, if you like movies and he doesn't, hey, you can probably live with that, right? Yeah. But what if he loves fishing? Can't live without fishing. Wants to be gone every weekend fishing. And you hate fishing. I know wives who've married guys like this, and he's gone most every weekend, and she's home alone. He can't understand why she's not with him because when they dated and when they courted, she was with him and never spoke up. She never showed her cards because she was afraid she would lose him. And now she is miserable and he is frustrated. Their marriage is heading downhill fast. I mean, the, the scenarios for this are endless. What if you love church, but this person you're courting wants very little to do with church? You better make sure you just find that out during courtship. These are the kind of things you need to discover. See, another sure way to set your marriage up for failure, marry your opposite. Marry someone who loves to do everything you hate and who hates to do everything you love. And marry them, watch this, do this, do this. Marry them with absolute ignorance, not knowing what they like or dislike. Don't discover anything about what they like or dislike. Just be absolutely infatuated with their looks. Actually, discover what they like and dislike three months into your marriage, if it lasts that long. One of the most challenging things to face later in marriage, and I have to tell you, this is where most of the counseling comes in that I have. One of the most challenging things to face later in marriage are expectations that are totally crushed because you married a guy or gal thinking they would be one way and they turned out the opposite. You thought this and they turned out to be that and you never saw it coming because you never courted them. You dated 
but you never courted. Dating is shallow. Courtship is deep. Now, please understand, this does not mean that you're not going to have differences. You will. Otherwise, one of you would not be necessary. You would be crazy to date your, your own clone. No, you have differences. That's of God. But watch this. Please understand, you do not want to be shocked. You do not want to be surprised. You do not want to be devastated to discover those differences in marriage. <laughs> you don't want that. This is what courtship is for. Courtship is a time to do your homework. And I'm sorry, a lot of this just isn't taught in the world. I mean, so many people are coming up to me, if you're watching this on video, I get emails all the time from you guys, Mark, I've never heard this stuff before. The Bible is so amazing. It's changing my life. I've never had this teaching before. And I'm sorry. This is supposed to come from the family as God's word informs us how to disciple our kids. But there's so much breakdown. These are basic steps to take from attraction to dating to courtship. And if you're hearing this for the first time, awesome. Praise the Lord. Take this in and let it change your life. Let it put you on that right path, okay? So it's really time to ask yourself, if you're courting someone right now, okay, you're not engaged, or even if you are engaged, can you live with the differences that you are discovering in that person? In courting Tracy, I learned she was, for example, terrified of snow skiing. I could live with that. I learned about that before we were married. I'm like, okay, I can live with that. It's a difference. Here's a key question. Do you have enough in common to build a healthy relationship together? That is the question you want to ask. Courtship is about discovering your compatibility. Now, of course, you're going to grow in your compatibility. But if you don't have a solid foundation of compatibility in your courtship, if the foundation is not there and only you can discern that, say goodbye and move on to someone else that God has for you where you do have that compatibility. As you're courting, you should be saying things like this. Wow, it's amazing how much we have in common. It's incredible how, how much I love to do these things with you and you love to do them with me. It's amazing how we think alike. You see, a great courtship involves discovering what you like to do and what you don't like to do together. And you discover in a great courtship that your likes far outweigh your dislikes. That doesn't mean you don't have some dislikes. You have differences. Tracy and I have differences. But our likes far outweigh our dislikes. And I knew going into marriage what she didn't like. And that was fine. That's what courtship is about. Now, if you're single, okay, I recommend two resources. 50% uh, of the marriages I do now, the weddings I do now, are the, the couples always meet online. One out of two now. eHarmony.com is the first thing I recommend. One of the most successful uh, relationship matching sites for singles in America. Over 66 million users are on there. Developed by Neil Clark Warren. Most dating services offer a picture and a paragraph. Remember, he says, we go a lot deeper. And eHarmony is based on 29 areas of compatibility. 15 million matches take place on eHarmony every single day. On average, there are 542 people that get married every single day through eHarmony. Now, there are other, Christian Mingle is another good one, 
But in my opinion, I'm not a total expert on this, but eHarmony is really good because it goes deep into the character of a person. I recommend it. The second thing I highly recommend, all the weddings that I do for couples, I recommend. I got this book. I don't know if I have it. Um, but it's his book, Getting to Really Know Your Life Mate to Be by Bob Beal. All the couples I marry that are engaged, I have them go through this book. You say, what is this book? If you are dating someone, if you're courting someone, if you are engaged even, if you're thinking about getting married, there are many books I recommend, but this is one I highly recommend and usually make mandatory because it's a great way of communicating with your spouse-to-be and seeing if they pass the test. The book contains, watch this, no information really, questions. It presents 250 questions that will stimulate many heart-to-heart conversations in seven basic areas in life. And you have to be able to navigate these seven areas if you're going to have a solid marriage. And so what this book does is it gives you all these questions. And as you discuss these questions with your future spouse-to-be, as you work through them, you're, it's going to measure your compatibility, your oneness. It is a great tool to get getting to really know your life mate by Bob Beale. All right. So a great courtship involves discovery. You enjoy doing things together. You have a whole bunch in common. So the order in all romantic relationships is attraction, dating, courtship, engagement, wedding. My belief is this. Um, I think too many people go from dating to marriage and bypass courtship. I don't have any scientific data to back that up, but that's just my feel. There are amazing principles of what courtship should include that are so important to bring into your life and to understand. God wants you to have a wonderful, exciting courtship that will prepare you for a wonderful, exciting marriage. He just does. This session, we've talked about five principles for a great courtship. I want to summarize them. I want you to understand these. If you are single, you need to memorize these. I mean, this isn't just something you just, this is God's word. These are principles from God's word that will do nothing but help you discover a great marriage in the future. You say, how do I know if the person I'm dating, courting now, is a person I should marry? All you have to do is use this outline. A great courtship includes discernment. You have a thorough understanding of your partner's character. Do you have a thorough understanding of their character? Do you like their character? Two, a great courtship includes duration. You consistently get along. I mean, do you get along with them consistently? Or is it off and on? All sorts of arguments. You break up, you know, then you're back together. Is there a consistency in your relationship? Three, a great courtship includes desire. You passionately want to be with each other. Is that on and off? Or is there consistency? And the longer you're together, the more you want to be with them. That's just the indication you should marry that person because you want to be with them. A great courtship includes discussion. You enjoy talking and listening to one another. As time goes on, are they becoming more irritating to you or are they becoming more and more fascinating to you? You want to talk with them more and more. They're becoming your best friend. You enjoy talking. You enjoy listening. You love their stories. You just can't talk enough with them. You're texting. You're emailing. You're everything. I mean, that, these are simple ways to evaluate. A great courtship includes discovery. 
You enjoy doing things together. You find out that as time goes on, you have more and more in common with this person than less in common with them. Because you just, like, you're doing life together and it's fun. So it's my prayer that these first five principles will be kind of a, kind of a checklist to help you experience a great courtship toward a great romantic marriage. Now, let me just say this. If you're married here, two-thirds of you are married. Many of you watching online, you're married. If you're married, apply these courtship principles to your marriage because they will lead, watch this, to romance. Courtship is just dating on steroids. And watch this. As we shared, for all of us who are married, never stop dating your spouse. Watch this. Never stop courting your spouse. The foundation of romance in marriage is dating and courting your spouse for the rest of your life as a married couple. Hmm. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this special stage of courtship. It's an important part of your plan for all romantic relationships. I pray, Lord, that these principles would be an encouragement to any who are in, you know, this courtship phase of their relationship. I pray these principles will also be an encouragement to all of us who are married. Lord, as we follow these principles, Lord, they add romance to our marriage. So lead us into them, those of us who are married. Give us time to think about these things, talk about them in our marriages. Give us moments, Lord, when we're alone to think about these things. Ponder them deeply for those of us who right now are dating and maybe in courtship are thinking about the person that we should marry. These are guidelines that are good for us, Lord. Help us to honestly talk to you and one another about these principles. They are good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we got four minutes to talk at your tables, and I've done this on purpose. There's two discussion questions I want you to kick around at your tails before we leave. I'm going to dismiss you in a second, but here it is. If you are single, one-third of you are, which of the five principles is easiest to apply, and which one is the most challenging? If you are married, the principles for having a great courtship are also principles for having a romantic marriage. Which principle is easiest to apply again in your marriage? Which one is the most challenging? Take a moment, talk about that. We'll come back. Okay, guys. Hey, let me show you this. Take a look at this, you guys. Huh? This says it all. I want you to go out this week. For me, this was the step God was calling me to take back them in courtship. What is this for you? What is the red dress for you this week? Whether you're single or you're married, what is the step God wants you to take to move forward in courtship? And then next week, make sure you come back part two. Yeah. Hey, if you want to talk to me about Israel, come up and see me. God bless you guys. Have a great day.